Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. At a time when eating healthy seems to get more and more complicated and expensive, dairy remains simple and affordable. A powerful source of micronutrients, high-quality amino acids and calcium that are all essential for healthy muscles and bones, dairy really should be enjoyed as part of a varied and balanced diet. Lovingly made with all the goodness of organic British milk, Yo Valley Kefir is a creamy, tangy, organic yogurt packed with billions of live bacteria from 14 different culture strains for maximum gut flora diversity. Available in natural, mango and passion fruit, blueberry and strawberry flavours, the daily boost you deserve is in the yogurt aisle at all the major supermarkets. To find out more, head over to yovalley.co.uk. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. I'm sure many of you, like myself, grew up with fern cotton in one way or another. From an early age, fern has been a huge part of British media, and I have certainly been an avid audience member since my teens. Fern has spent an impressive 20 years working in TV and radio. Most recently, she's gone solo with starting up her own podcast, Happy Place, which I adore listening to on a regular basis. And subsequently, she's run two festivals as well as being now a best-selling author. I'm absolutely thrilled to have Fern Cotton, businesswoman, wife and mum, joining me on the podcast today. Hello, Fern. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm really well. I think I had a better start to today, though, than you did this morning. <laughs> oh, man. My life at the moment is, it's just, it was chaos this morning. And my kids eventually went to school and I got myself ready. I had lots of meetings this morning. And I was about to walk out the house and I went to pull my knickers <laughs> out my bum. And I had a split not only like a small tear in my favourite velvet trousers that I have had for about 10 years, a split from 
the new yeah. right round to the waistband. Oh, it was the classic. It was location. the whole thing. Yeah. And I was about to go. I was foot out the door. <laughs> so I was like, thank God, I just had a little feel. So I'm now wearing trousers that hopefully um, no, you're the seams it. are together and yeah. they're fine. But yeah, it was an interesting start to the day. But equally, you share that on social media, and I'm sure it's happened to so many people. Yeah, like. I'm not the sort of person that's going to post like, here's my perfect life, here's my outfit looking amazing as I go to work, because that is not my life. My life is chaos. I mean, you have experienced and achieved so many incredible things, met the most amazing people. I'd love to know if you could look back and give one piece of advice to your younger self. I'm sure you're asked this a lot, or it's a difficult question. What would that be? Um, Well, I have spent a lot of time looking back over my life, my career, and wondering what I would do differently. There are, of course, many things, but I think the overarching theme or the thing I would say is just to just, and it's so obvious, but just to stay being me because I was very much me when I started in TV because I knew no different I was just like wow this is so bizarre I'm 15 and I'm in this weird world and it was all crazy Um, and then in my 20s I started to sort of compare myself a lot more to people around me not feel like I was good enough or that I was um, fitting to be in that world I just felt a bit of an oddball so I started to sort of um just you know not be very me and and I was um I guess quite sponge-like to the people around me at that time and all the classic things you do in your 20s and over the last sort of I'd say five years I've gone sod that this is exhausting I just I'm gonna be me and if people think that I'm boring or you know whatever it is that my assumptions were I don't care no it doesn't matter anymore I just don't care I used to care a lot and now I'm just like, oh, I don't care. So yes, I will post a picture of my split trousers and very old knickers on Instagram um, and talk about things that I care about rather than thinking I've got to do what everyone else is doing. Yeah, and staying true to you. And I think if we actually go back to who was Fern growing up? So before the TV childhood, I mean, what was your kind of upbringing like? Were you very close to your family? What- yeah, yeah. I mean, I had very kind of, I guess, regular working class suburban upbringing where um, I I lived when I was tiny in a little bungalow in the suburbs and uh, my brother came along and we stayed in the tiny bungalow for a bit too long (laughs) and then I don't know when I was seven or eight moved to a sort of classic semi-detached mock Tudor suburban home and had a very nice time with my brother and my cousins who I'm really close to and my very hard-working parents who I mean my dad literally just retired this year and my mum worked a plethora of jobs that I'm sure none of them she particularly wanted to be doing like cleaning our neighbours houses and as worked as a dental nurse and delivering next goods for people and she just did all sorts to make ends meet and um so the the lovely thing is I've got an insatiable work drive from seeing them work as hard as they did um but it was happy it was um it was uneventful in a lovely way you know we had a very lovely regular family experience you know we'd go on the odd holiday camping um we had so so much laughter with my cousins they're my fondest memories is being with my cousins and my brother and um and there was really not much drama thank god I'm very very fortunate in that uh and then at 15 
it all went completely crazy yeah, and my and life just changed did overnight you want to go into tv oh yeah music. i mean absolutely i was completely naively hopelessly in love with the fantasy of working in this industry i was not academic i desperately wanted to be in the theater or be a dancer or an actress and i was in the sort of local dance and drama club that i went to literally every day of my life and then i would do little theater shows and we would put on you know week-long runs of these shows and i was just in my element it was my everything it's all I wanted to do so there was no concept back in the 90s I don't think for that age to be famous that wasn't a phrase it wasn't a notion that one would lust after um it was I want to do that job and mine was to be an actress and then I went off on this tangent of being a tv presenter by accident completely by accident yeah tell us that story the by Mm. accident how on earth did you land these roles in tv at such a young age well I at the this time, so I was in this lovely local dance and drama call, uh, school called Soul, which still exists. And oh. it was just it, at the time, I don't know where it is now, but it was in a church hall, you know, very kind of basic. But the teachers were exceptional, they were all, you know, very young 18, 19, 20. They were all either fresh from West End shows, doing West End shows, had friends in West End shows. So we were learning all of these amazing dance routines that were like in the West End at the time, but they were like young and exciting and excited. And um, and I would just go and audition for anything. So anything that I heard of through that group, I would go audition for TV adverts, audition for theatre productions. And I got a handful. I got turned down for a load. Um, and that's where you have to start becoming mm. resilient. And then I randomly went to this audition, um, which I thought was for a drama. And it turns out it was for this Disney Club show. And I thought this is like a kid's drama. <laughs> and it was a presenter-led show. So... They asked me to talk to camera and I just thought, I don't know what I'm doing, but I was like, hello, I'm firm, blah, blah, blah. And then went through all these rounds and ended up getting the job, which was just bizarre. But I was like, look, foot in the door, this is it. I want to do something on the TV and it may as well be this. And then I kind of, I guess, incrementally fell in love with the craft of being a broadcaster, having not really known what that entailed so it was um a happy accident i was gonna say and were there any shows in particular that really stood out to you as i don't know a favorite or a life-changing type of experience so you, you you've done so many i mean dig it the disney stuff younger mm. years yeah i mean i'll always be really grateful to the execs that gave me my first job on disney club because they for some reason thought i could do the job and i didn't even know i could do it so you know i'm always so grateful to them for giving me that chance so that was you know, the most game-changing moment. But there have been lots of lovely things. I think the things I'm most proud of in that part of my career were doing, you know, Children in Need and Comic Relief and getting to go to Africa on many occasions and and just, you know, uh, meeting some amazing people. That They were the, the moments that, for me, personally changed me and, and, and gave me uh, a broader scope of, um, you know, just what's going on on planet earth and human emotion and um and all those things and then really i think the work that i'm most proud of is really the stuff i've done in the last four years you yes. know because to be frank it's mine and exactly. i created it and i had the idea for these things that i'm doing and i'm making them happen and i had years of sitting waiting for someone to say oh you're good enough to do this tv show Mm. we accept you now into doing this we think you're appropriate for this because i've been told on so many occasions 
you're not right for this, you're not right for that, mm-hmm. we're replacing you with this person. You get told to your face. It's not, no. you know, hidden, disguised in any yeah, yeah. way. So now I just sort of could care less. Like, if I get offered a TV show and it feels right, my God, I'll be over the moon and I will be grateful and I'll be happy and I'll do the best job that I can. But I don't have to sit there sort of desperately hoping anymore. I can no. create stuff that... I really want to do that so desperate hope as a teenager must have been I mean I can't even begin to imagine the pressures that were on you at that age mm, yeah it was definitely a lot and um it was more the times when you get told to your face you know we don't think you're quite right is a phrase that I've heard a lot um and I don't think that's healthy for anyone to hear without some sort of constructive backup which was usually lacking and even more recently I've had that happen to me and No one tells you or explains their meaning behind it. So I don't think that's particularly healthy. I've become resilient in some ways, but I am uber sensitive in others. You're still a human being. Well, I'm just, I'm a very sensitive human being. I'm not, uh, it's rarely water off a duck's back. I'll take things and learn from them if I can. But if I don't feel there's anything to be learned, it does just hurt for a bit. And you have to like dust yourself off, pick pick, pick yourself back up, not let your ego take over and just start from the ground up again. Which is so good to hear, actually, because I think there's this big... Um, there is a pressure for anyone going into a performance-based world or anything, the type of role you've done, that you will be resilient, you will get used to nose. Therefore, that is the nature of the job. You mm. have no choice but to be okay with that. Mm. And like you said, it isn't water for ducks back a lot of the time. It, it does no. get to you. And also, you know, a lot of people have the perception that well you're in the public eye you chose it you've got to deal with it exactly well I don't have to and also I usually don't I usually do go into a bit of a pit of despair for a week or so Mm -hmm. and you know that's just how I process stuff so I don't have to do anything I can still do the job I love but I didn't ask to be treated badly or verbally abused or any of those things you know that's not to me part of it I'll take constructive criticism I'll listen to public opinion but if it's if it's from people that know what they're talking about and if it's from people that really believe positive change is needed, all the rest I can park. Yeah, I think that's quite good advice. Do you think there's something you could offer in terms of for our listeners of receiving any criticism? And it's even harder for you because you get it all year round to certain degrees. Is it that you weigh up? Is it worth even responding to it? Yeah, so I um took heed of some advice recently when um I went and watched a talk with uh Hillary Rodham Clinton and Chelsea Clinton amazing and yeah, so I'd luckily done the podcast with them in the morning and then in the evening I went to this talk they incredible. did incredible and Chelsea said something that has really stuck with me and it was I'm probably going to cock it up but she said <laughs> something along the lines of take serious advice from serious people seriously and take not so serious advice from not serious people not so seriously yep no that makes sense and i thought yeah why mm-hmm. do i take advice from people that i don't actually value what they're saying so seriously and take it to heart i should definitely take it from peers that i respect my parents my friend my small friendship circle but anyone else i've got to really study and work out whether i need to take on that comment or if i can just go no thank you Yeah, that's actually going to ring true with me and I'm sure a lot of people listening. And you share, because I think you're in a position now and you said you found 
I'm going to be cheesy, but you found a happier place in mm. what you're doing. You know, you're in control yeah. of what you're doing. Do you think that, share, do you ever find there's a certain risk involved, even with sharing your own recipes now and your amazing books? And there's an element of personal, your personal life that is being put out there to a degree. How do you feel about that? And how do you kind of gear yourself up to getting the confidence to do that? Yeah, well, that was an absolute, um, that was a shift that I consciously made. Because before, although I was sort of me I was more the tv me or the public or the what I thought the appropriate public version of me was whereas now I am 100% just me as you saw on Instagram this morning I just I can't lie anymore I can't not that I was lying but I, I can't withhold the truth or be anything other than how I feel in the moment so yes I guess the criticism is slightly more personal and um and probably attacks more of a real bit of you but mm. it's worth the gamble because actually what I'm doing on the flip side to that is connecting with people on a much deeper level well I'm connecting with people yeah. I'm having a big conversation with lots of lovely people and um and that is in turn helpful to me hopefully helpful to them yeah and I enjoy it so much more so it's worth the little bit of shit I might get yeah to to really connect because you share your stories I mean I've had the amazing opportunity to talk at one of your festivals and your podcasts are just incredible you share a lot about your mental health and I'm sure that by you even talking about it it's going to think oh wow Fern's not just some performing robot every single day mm. have you had would you say more positive response to it than the negative sharing? oh god absolutely I mean I, I had no idea when I the first uh moment of sharing anything remotely personal was the book Happy that I wrote. Yes. And um and I I sort of wrote it quite freely and um and happily. And how did you then, make the decision to even start that? Um I had been talking to my publisher at the time about writing a, a proper book rather than it just being you know, I'm not saying cookbooks aren't proper, but like an, no. an actual book. Depth. And um mm. and I said, look, I can write because she was like, let's talk about well being. I know you're really into all these bits and bobs and I said well look between you and I I've never talked to anyone about this I could either do a book about happiness and keep it quite you know frivolous and light or I can really go there and I know which one would be a better book mm. and she was like well I will support you through and she's a great friend of mine now and I work with her still lovely lady called Amanda and um and she really encouraged me and helped me through that process of working out what I would feel comfortable writing and what I wouldn't but you know still I had the pre-release jitters of oh shit this book's coming out maybe I should go and run into every local waterstone and just <laughs> nickel the books I can't bear this to go out um I didn't know what the reaction would be but luckily it has been um I don't think you can either gauge it as positive or negative it's just real it's a very honest reaction and lots of people feel comfortable now sharing their stories with me which I feel very honored about yeah and very grateful for um and I'm just I'm still doing it you know this full story is not out on the table I'm writing a new book at the moment that's yeah. on a whole other section of my life and um it's just you know it's incremental and it's just feeling it as it goes does this feel right yes does this feel right maybe not right now maybe mm -hmm. down the line and I just keep testing the waters and and the reaction you know I want to help people yeah. for sure but the reaction if it's personal towards me I have to not worry about because mm -hmm. I know my purpose is to to tell the truth and yeah. to hopefully 
generate more stories of truth from other people. I feel that really is my purpose at this point in life. And it's incredibly brave, I think, for anybody to put an ounce of vulnerability, especially on pages that are there for a lifetime. It's an incredibly brave thing. Um, What I personally think that it's an incredible book and I know that it's helped people. I have some of my clients in my clinic that just adore you and what you're doing but you also mentioned imposter syndrome quite a bit Mm. now that's something I think a lot of people do struggle with definitely oh my god I mean there's parts of my career where I don't have it and I feel really robust and that is only because of time yeah um knowing that I've got 23 odd years practice in what I love and knowing what I'm good at and what I'm bad at really helps. Um, But there are still moments where um, more so outside of my comfort zone now, if it's not one of my own projects, if I'm asked to do something for someone else, there Mm. will be an hour, two hours, could be a day of a long project where I really have to check myself and go, look, you are capable, you can do this, you know, don't let the demons creep in and start down talking, just breathe, be in the now. I have to talk to myself. Is and that a good tip, do you think, for people like to yeah, reduce anxiety? Just, just, you know, have a chat with yourself. Have a chat with yourself and know what you're capable of. You know, yeah. sometimes you'll do things where you don't feel capable. And I've certainly taken myself out of those situations where I've gone, you know what? I am out of my depth here. And rather than balls this up, I'm going to wait. And mm. I'm very patient in my career. I... I'm in this for the long game. I want to do this forever. I don't need to be everything today. So if I feel out of my depth, I will step back and I will, I'd rather feel not stressed than do something that feels wildly out of my control. The caveat to that is I do think it's important to scare yourself a bit, but you have to know your limits. There's nerves and there's a little bit of healthy fear. And then there's what I've experienced on many occasions panic attacks, you know, terror, night panic attacks and night terrors. I've had all of these around work and that's where I've had to go, this isn't worth it. I've got to make a change. And I've pulled out of jobs, I've stepped back from things and then those awful situations have just dissipated. So I think you have to know your own personal limits but you can't stop yourself from feeling a little bit nervous about stuff because do you think I was sat there not nervous in front of Hillary Clinton? Oh my goodness. Of course I shaved my pants. When I saw that I was just in awe. I was like, how on earth did you conduct that interview? I just... Well look, I was shitting myself before and I was pacing the room and there were secret service officers everywhere and it was really scary. And then as soon as she walked in, in my head I knew I could do it. I knew because of my experience and what I felt passionate about in that moment, I would conduct an interview that I would be happy with. I can't speak for everybody else, but something that I was happy with. So you still go through it, but that was healthy fear. That was exciting fear. That was, oh my God, I might need a poo in a minute fear. That was good fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rather than... Night terror fear. I'm in the middle mm. of the night. I'm on my own. It's pitch black. My husband's asleep. I can't breathe. My heart is racing. I need beta blockers. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. That's where I don't need to go anymore. No. So it's knowing your limits. They'll be different for everyone. A completely. And affecting your health. Because obviously... Oh, yeah. I, I think, like you said, you were really severely affecting your health by putting yourself through some of those situations. Mm. And it's actually really difficult to 
say no. Saying no is one of the hardest things for people to do. Where mm. we're conditioned in society to be a yes society. If you want to achieve something, you have to say yes to mm. everything. And we, um, I'm very fortunate because our mutual friend Gary, Gary Barlow, he introduced me to you, which is how I've been able. You're so. I'm just so in all the fact that you even come on this podcast. Oh, to don't talk. be ridiculous. But he also shared. Mm. He opened up a lot about his eating, his relationship mm. with food, and you've recently done that yes. too. Can I just say a huge and utter thank you for being so open on behalf of me or the clients I've ever seen in my life. I know so many people, Fern, Mm, suffer from disordered relationships with food. Yeah. How on earth did you suddenly wake up and think, I'm going to share that I had bulimia? Oh, God, it was a long thought process. I mean, for me, it's been this kind of bizarre secret. um, And a part of myself, I almost sort of had discarded like I I that person doesn't exist I can't go there that's not the person that I'm putting out in the public it's not the person I'm even putting out with my friends this was not something I discussed with anyone no. and I mean absolutely nobody you know my mum and dad knew but it wasn't something I was sat let's have a cup of tea and talk about you know when I was bulimic for 10 years no. we didn't talk about it um so I'd been thinking about it a lot and thinking about um, the lovely feedback I've had with all of the other work that I've done within mental, the mental, mental health arena and knowing that I had other stories to tell and ways of uniting people because the one thing I think is really powerful when you are in the public eye, you can do loads of shit. Mm. If you want, you can go and blag yourself some free shoes, you can look really popular on Instagram, you can look like you've got all these celebrity friends and... Or you can really eliminate shame and fear and worry by demystifying all the bullshit around what people assume people in the public eye have going on. Mm. Because even I do it, I think, oh my God, as if like Some Brad Pitt's world. got any problems. Yeah. Of course he fucking has. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So for me, I'm now trying to go, right, well, how else can I... Ele-? I'm sure there's millions of people out there. There'll be tons listening to this who have had bulimia, yeah. who are suffering now, who have had disordered relationships with food, who feel alienated, isolated, unable to talk to anyone. These are all the things that I personally oh, yeah, felt. yeah, it becomes like your a own freak. friend. That's how yeah. I felt, again, yeah. with all the things that I've dealt with within mental health. And I, I had a real seminal moment, actually, at the uh, Chiswick Happy Place Festival. And um, Megan Jane Crabb was doing a talk at the festival. And she's someone that I massively adore what she's doing yeah. and the way that she is game changing not only in you know how she puts herself out there on on social media but how she talks about the relationship we have with our bodies mm. is is really quite powerful it's incredible and i've gained a lot from it and i said to her on the stage and i'd never even said these words out loud and i couldn't quite believe i was saying it in the moment because i hadn't planned it but i said when we were doing our talk it was a podcast actually uh, live yeah. podcast and I said well I've had a weird relationship with food over the years and I was like oh my god what it am I saying yeah. shit so I, I, it had been you know it had been churning and the idea had, had been there to perhaps speak at some point I didn't know when and it was sort of then half out and then Elizabeth Day asked me to go on her podcast and I That's... massively trust her and and really adore her and I thought I would like to do it not on my watch. I would like to do it on someone else's because I don't want this to be a big like, here's a new announcement, everybody. I wanted it to be 
a lovely conversation where it's someone that I trusted and and they would take care of that information yeah. in the way they deemed appropriate. Yeah. So I was just the person saying the words and then they could make that happen and put it out there. And that mm. felt to me a nice way of doing it. It's not the end. It's very much the start. I've barely scratched the surface with that one. I've just kind of made a statement, really. It is the start and it will bring There's up a, a whole host about. of feelings the yeah. minute you even openly talk about Absolutely. it in itself. I think everyone out there, I've always been a big believer, everybody has a relationship with food to some spectrum that's completely unique to them. And even labelling you with bulimia is technically wrong because on the spectrum in terms of eating disorders, there are so many points from A to B mm. in between those letters where you could fall. And most people don't even realise they have a problem. Mm. If they do, like you said, they feel so isolated. But it's something that everyone has an opinion and a judgment on the way we eat. And it's a very very deeply personal thing we must remember to anyone listening please remember eating disorders are a mental health illness a lot of the time it's got nothing to do with food it can be a way of coping there are so many other things out there mm. did you ever get help for this you never reached out was there a point um sort of so i um i guess in the middle of that period i thought god this isn't great i don't feel great and I don't think that this is a good idea anymore because for a bit I thought it was a great idea well the consequences of bulimia on the body physiologically Bad. are humongous, humongous. heart um, your esophagus everything e every yeah and I started to realize this in a very obvious way mm. so at that point I did independently go and find a local nutritionist and I had maybe two sessions and I found it very overwhelming because I just thought, well, this is going to fix everything and it's all going to be fine. The and journey begins. Yeah, and it was um, it was a help. It was a source of help and it gave me slightly new ways of thinking about food. But then it was a, probably a good four or five years after that that I really went, I really don't want to do this anymore and yeah. I'm really going to work hard to not and I I'm not saying that this is the, a great way of doing it but I just did it on my own yeah. I just stopped and I just started really looking at how I could become the best home cook for me and my family possible so that was my remedy was to go I'm a very all or nothing person so my remedy was I'm going to see food all day, every day, and I'm going to yeah. touch it, I'm going to smell it, I'm going to enjoy it, I'm going to enjoy cooking it, I'm going to enjoy eating it, I'm going to know what I'm eating. Because before that, it was like going to the pub, mm. have a cigarette, have a vodka, have three chips, mm. good night. Mm. I didn't give a toss about any of it. I didn't care about... I've always loved baking. That's always been like just a fun hobby. Yeah. But cooking was not until I fully realised I want to be better. And I went full throttle into that, it, like I do with anything. It's like it a reinforcement was, theory. That's incredible what yeah, you did, actually. Well, I mean, I've always, I think I've done that in many ways with lots of things in my life. I, I like to face things head on. Yeah. And, um, and I went into it big time. And weirdly, it's 
churned out this whole other area of my career, which has been a joy. Um, and it and it helped me. It was a healing and a, and a, and a therapy in a sense as well. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, that's absolutely incredible because, like Fern said quite rightly, there is no one size that fits all in recovery or mm. what you should and shouldn't do. But Fern found a way to connect with food that was completely different to before. And look where it's led you. So now, I mean. Mm. If anyone out there does need help with an eating disorder or disordered eating, we'll put some links below in the show notes. It's a huge, it's a huge, we could do a whole podcast just on this subject. But. It's such a huge one. And I just, because I had been so through it, I, when I know somebody is suffering or mm. is feeling confusion, I, the empathy is just, you know, it's a big one for me. I just yeah. wish that I could you know alleviate people from what they're feeling and um for me it was a sense of not feeling ever good enough and that that affected not only my eating but all sorts of areas of my life so I'm still building myself up in some ways mentally but getting to like accept and want to be with yourself and that for me was the start of it and knowing that that's not going to be anyone else telling you that information like you are now good enough you are correct you are mm. right you look great it's an inside job and that again is a bespoke practice that um you will stumble upon be gifted from the universe supported by friends in whatever way it will, it will hopefully come to you but it is it is possible i think people need to know that it is possible because people feel like it isn't i didn't feel like it was possible Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, no, it's one of life's most challenging things. I don't have it sourced. I don't think anyone really does. I think over time, I'm hoping with every year that goes by of my life, you become a little bit more content in yourself. Mm. But it's definitely something every everybody should be mindful of working on. Yeah, and can I just say that, you know, social media, as wonderful it is, it has attributed to um, people feeling shit about themselves physically because yep. it is a very visual concept and it is a very... Um, it's, a, it's an image-based platform. Shallow yeah. platform at times, as, as lovely yeah. and connective as it can be. And I think if you're following people you know that make you then do something as simple as look at your own thighs in a mirror oh, or yeah. 
or or look at yourself in comparison just unfollow them yeah please unfollow just them unfollow them yeah. you know they won't care no they won't just know. unfollow them and follow people that make you feel great yeah. and that make you feel inspired happy to be in your own skin and listen to podcasts that do that watch yes. tv shows that do that yeah. read books that do that consume things you know that will be nurturing and nourishing rather than depleting I completely agree. And set yourself a little diversity challenge because I think if you're, for instance, I work in food, I don't want to just be following food accounts. I need something different Mm. to just pop up randomly there. Maybe one day it's a bit of a dance video from the night Hollywood era that pops up and I'm like, yes, I love this show. Anything different. That Mm, was really, really wise advice. And last year you started Happy Place. So you started up, I mean, it's been the most incredible journey for you. You've had two festivals. You've said what kind of got you into it, but creating a whole festival fern mm. that's a huge and they were not just a one room kind of festival thing no <laughs> you created an entire kind of happy place world yeah it was a lot i've just come from a meeting actually where we've been discussing next year <gasps> which will make the festival um i've got to be careful how i choose my words because i want to be explicit in what we want to achieve but it's going to be better for sure it's going to be um more helpful it's going to be because um, I don't want to say bigger because it, there will be bits of it that will be bigger and will be able to accommodate more people. But I want it to always feel intimate and not scary. It's the quality, not the quantity. Yes, I want it to feel like you're walking into something where you feel comfortable mm-hmm. and relaxed, not like, oh my God, there's millions of people, blah, blah, blah. So um, we've got some nice ideas and we were buzzing this morning in these yeah. meetings about what we're going to do. But it's going to be even more special I hope next year but I was so happy with what we achieved this year so happy with you know how it went and it was just you know bringing to life all the little bits that I've been doing and making it a reality and I had a brilliant team helping me work on it and I adore each and every one of those people and um and it was a moment of absolute pride I was really chuffed that we had done it it was an incredible and I can speak firsthand from being there the people that were there you just lifted everyone's spirits and the mm. types of talks you had were so diverse yeah that was important that we and again next year that there are a real uh, array of subjects covered yeah. and and people are given the space and time to tell their story because so I think storytelling is very important and um and massively overlooked and just for people to to hear those stories and take strength from them or whatever they needed to or you know we had like one girl came walking out of one talk. I think it was my friend Porna Bell. And this girl came out sort of with tears in her eyes going, that's it, I've decided I'm quitting this job. I'm doing it in like you know, epiphany moments. And it was really amazing to have Aww. sort of been part of that. So yeah, more of that next year. I'm really excited. It must feel so nice to be able to give back in a capacity and just share the contacts you have and the things that you've managed to do. Mm. Like in a way, it's like what you said earlier about how you've had the most incredible humbling experiences as well from being involved in TV and media, like going to Africa and doing the most amazing things that must be so grounding as well and it must mm. come into how you see a vision i'm sure yeah i mean i i could not be anything but grounded because my mum would literally disown me if i was to ever be anything but very grounded i would get a good talking to <laughs> um it's not in my nature anyway you know i come from a very regular background this is not the norm um and i want to have a life where 
it's similar to what I knew. So, you know, I do everything like everyone else does. I, I walked yeah. here just now from the other office. Great. And I will go and grab some lunch from the cafe next door before my next podcast. Mm-hmm. And I will then go and pick up my children from school and take them swimming. And I have an extraordinary job. But my life, I like to keep peaceful, small and ordinary. Which is perfect. And I don't want to be any other way. And also, you know, I have had some amazing experiences where I've got to, you know, meet some sensational people, some of which were at the Happy Place Festival who have had just remarkable lives. Oh, listening to Russell Brand's talk for me was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, people that have really like lived a life and have had, you know, and like wonderful Annie Price and Mm. Sophie Walker and just all these incredible people who I managed to convince to come to the festival. And um, I'm more interested in that. I want to hear their stories. Mm. I'm, I'm, you know, we can all pick up a celebrity magazine and read about what Jennifer Aniston's had for her tea. Fine. But I'm interested in these real stories. And there's no time or space to be grand or above oneself in those moments. It is about reality and wanting to help other people and wanting to hopefully generate some positive thoughts and some strength and courage because my god we all need it at the Mm, moment yeah and and that's you know hopefully what I'm doing in my small way I'm not going to change the world I'm not going to you know I'm not sat here going I'm going to make everyone feel amazing but I (laughs) hope in small ways I will be able to do that and if I'm going to have this platform in any sense I hope to do good from it no I can't do it in every job I do I will sometimes do a tv show that is just for fun because I want to do it and that's you know fine I I, there's room for it all but a lot of it I want to really be seeped in creating a bit of a conversation but it does transcend through everything you do even to your cookbooks I find that the fact that you the reason I also love your books and things like that is because as a nutritionist anyway, I want people to enjoy food. I want them to see it doesn't have to be a chore. The recipes that you create are totally doable. Oh, they're so easy. Yeah, it's just God, not... I'm not, you know, I'm no Nigella. I'm just, okay. I just am an enthusiastic home cook and yeah. I want to, like you say, get people to not be scared of it. And like even the new book, which is a vegan cookbook. Yeah, oh, I love it. Um, you know, I've, I've done yeah. completely vegan now for, must be, I don't know, eight, ten weeks, something like that, maybe more. It tastes and, um, great. I haven't even noticed any different in how I'm going about my day. It's all been... I, I cook most of my meals from scratch, either bring them to work in a nerdy Tupperware or go and grab something as a veggie prep next door, bingo. Yep. Um, but just keeping things simple. I haven't got time when I get back from work or the school run to be making complicated, you know, pretty food. It's just got to be wacky in a pot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got a life to lead as well. And do you find that when you became a mum, that's when you really started to change how you cooked? Oh my God, yes. Because <laughs> I've got this all to come. I'm going to learn from you. <laughs> are, you've got all the great intentions and then they're like, no, yeah, no, don't like it. And then you've got to be quick on your feet you gotta be smart you yep. gotta be or sometimes not and just go oh just have some toast then or whatever but it's hard it's really hard work like food and kids is tricky yeah because you want them to be on board with how you feel about it and comfortable with it and relax and obviously because of my past I really want that for my children to just to enjoy food mm. and I've made a real 
concerted effort to, to do so. So we do a lot of baking together, a little bit of cooking. They're still a bit young, more wrecks than honey because obviously you've got knives and it's hot and whatever. Yeah. But baking, very easy for them to be part of that. Um, and for them to enjoy it and watch me cook all the time. Which you actually know, really important. helps future generations because we had a huge problem in the last 10 years with the lack of cooking in yeah. the UK. I mean, we are all busy. I get it. I get yeah, it. It's tough. It is tough. It is tough. But yeah, I would say it's like you time as well, wouldn't you? Like it's a little... Oh. Because oh, how else it. do you fit that in? The mm. U-time having your own business. Mm. A, you're a businesswoman with your own projects. Mm. You're running a family on top of everything else. It's like the golden question. Like, how do you fit it in? Well, there are a couple of things that help me out. One of them is I'm an absolute nerd. And I would mm. rather be learning than doing anything else. I wasn't studious at school. I didn't feel like I got school or it got me. But at this point... All I want to do is learn. I want to learn more recipes. I want to learn new ways of cooking. I want to learn more about the people <laughs> I'm interviewing. I want to learn more about the world, people in it, communities, cultures. I just, I I am desperate. It's my driving force every day is to learn stuff. Yeah. And I read every night. I probably read a book every two weeks. I'm so a, I have no social life. I'm at, by choice. I'm absolutely fine with it. I have friends around at the weekend in the day. The kids can play. I will cook. We will all have a lovely time together. In the evening, I don't want to see anyone. I get into bed. I read every night. And that's how I am hopefully becoming a better writer, a better interviewer. Books are everything. Books oh, I love help a book. us oh. in every way, in how we communicate with people, in how we see the world. They're so important. And your imagination. Yeah, so, you know, I can fit in reading a book every two weeks because I go to bed at nine and I read till ten and I don't want to see any other people. So that's, I don't watch box sets. I, I'm watching The Crown right now because I have to because it's the best show in the world. I've got to admit, but I do But anything like else, I'm not fussed about. I'll dip in and out of things ad hoc. And... And I'm also really lucky that because my parents were so hardworking that I do have a good work ethic. Mm. And, you know, none of this stuff that I'm doing is necessarily easy time-wise or management-wise, but I love it. So it's not hard. Yeah, yeah when you so love what you do. I just, you know, I'm at home a lot with my kids, which is great because I can work from home a ton and I can do the school where I'm very fortunate in that way. Um, but I don't. I rarely have time where I'm just sort of chilling out probably to my detriment actually and or lying in bed I don't have any of that and I am probably a bit of a workaholic but I love it and I just can't stop thinking about all these things that I could do or might do or might not do or will give a go at (laughs) so that helps definitely. But that's great to hear because I think people think success is built overnight. It is not. And equally how you define success, is it happiness? You've just said you love what you do. The passion yeah. is so there. That's something has got to give sometimes. And mine yeah. is, I don't really go out at night. I don't have a exciting, whizzy social scene where I'm out on the town with God, lots of famous I. people drinking cocktails <laughs> and wearing a great dress. No, I'm walking out of my house with some split trousers, <laughs> running late to work, you know, at, because I love it. Yeah. And that's my choice. And this is all for the greater good for me. And I'm not very good at socialising. I don't necessarily enjoy it. I class this as socialising. I'm chatting yeah, to yeah. someone. Yeah. I'll go away. I agree. We had a nice chat. And that for me is socialising. So... I don't feel the need to be in a big room lots of with lots of people no. making small talk. That, for me, is a chore. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what you've said resonates a lot with me, especially in the winter months. Mm, I definitely do not want to be going out. I want to be in hibernation. Ooh. So we have a few questions from our followers today, our oh, audience nice. listening. Um, so we have, let's start with the one from Lorna. I like that name, Lorna. Do you have any suggestions on where to start when building your own brand? Oh, well, a big you know what? Mine was so accidental at first and then became much more well thought out but the book I think if you know you're doing something that resonates with you and others that's a great starting point it could be anything it could be that you know you could have a small business that is based around knitting food gardening whatever it is yeah if you've really clicked into what you love and it feels amazing and there's the difference between something being a real chore and something being hard work yeah And if you've made that distinction and you know the thing that you do requires perhaps a lot of time and energy and effort, but it just makes you tick, that's your starting point. And then I think you just work out what goes... Then there's all the silly little intricate bits like, you know, for us, once we'd established that I wanted to do more with that subject matter... Okay, well, what 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 is our colour palette? What is mm. that going to be? Okay, what what is our little logo going to look like? Like all the little businessy what, what little, decisions, yeah, like yeah. cute fun things. Yeah, that I didn't find a chore at all, and that we're just what yeah. will be recognisable to people hopefully instantly. And we're still working that out now. It's not overnight, um, and getting that to be a recognisable thing. And they're, they're the more kind of thought out bits. But I think you just like got to organically letting it grow, and like oh, the festival feels right. We'll do that again, and. God knows what else will happen next year. We're just waiting to see. But, um, yeah, I think don't be in a rush. Like, as I said, you know, Happy Place is super young and I'm not in a rush for it to be this massive thing all of a sudden overnight. I want it to be sustainable over years and and to sustain uh, engagement, not necessarily popularity or anything like that, but just engagement that people are invested in what we're talking about and we're listening back um, so that's going to be a long process. Yeah, I think think of the long game. Don't just think short term mm. things there. There's some really, really good advice. Um, I don't know if I say this as Ava. I think it's Ava pronounced. Um, sorry if it's not and I've got that wrong. She has said, my relationships are suffering at the moment. She hasn't gone into any more detail than that. What might be some of the best ways to initially start to rebuild them? So I think about this one a lot because... If you, if you're talking, I mean, it could be friendships or partners in life. I don't think it it has to be one or the other. Um, There's a couple of ways you can think about it without me knowing too much about your life, Ava. But I think if, if you are getting either feedback or a lack of in a negative way from multiple people, you've got options. Either you've got to take a look at the people that you've decided to have in your life and go, why have I attracted these people in? What is the dynamic? What role am I playing? What role have I chosen to play? Because sometimes we feel like we haven't chosen the role. We've just gone, well, I'm the person that always does everything in this friendship. You have chosen to take on that role. You can either choose to have a look at that, or if it feels right to you, you can choose at what you're up to, how you're reacting, what again, what role you're playing and how it's affecting other people. Um, so there are two ways of looking at it. Either the crowd you're hanging around with, you know, maybe you need to move on and you need to sever a couple of ties. Nothing wrong with that. If people in your life are making you feel a bit toxic or you see them as toxic, or do you need to change the way that you're seeing other people, the way that you're seeing how they engage with you and the way that you see dynamics? Like, do you need to have a look at that? Are you 
deeply unhappy in some way and is that affecting your relationship so without knowing much I think they're the only two things I can say to really look at and I've done that millions of times in my life oh my god this person's acting strangely towards me is that me or is this naturally ending or is this something to do with them and I've attracted them in but now it's time for that to end I've done that so many times it's a healthy thing to do it's a little bit of life inventory I like that. I do go through the odd life inventory as well. Mm. I think we all do on a regular basis. Mm. Uh, the last one is from Rihanna and she has said that she wants to start eating more plant-based but she doesn't really know how to start and what to cook. So perhaps you could give some easy, quick recipes in your book or things you would start with that yeah, taste great. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I um, it took me a long time to... And I don't like to label myself anything to do with food because I don't feel that's I agree, labels a healthy are not thing helpful. for me. So... At the moment, Rihanna, I am eating a plant-based diet and I have done for the last few months. Um, that's not to say, you know, forever I'm going to be a vegan. I might be and hopefully I will be because I'm very much enjoying it. But I think you just go with where you're at in life. So at the moment I am. My husband also just went, you know what, I'm going to jump on this with you. And he ate, you know, I've been vegetarian since I was a kid, but he ate chicken and the odd bit of meat. He's now eating plant-based for about a month and he's absolutely loving it and he's a really all or nothing guy so he's like (laughs) making himself pack lunches to go to his band rehearsals and it's all very cute um but I would say there are some it doesn't have to be complicated it doesn't have to be scary Mm. you don't even have to touch tofu if you don't want to no you just I think a plant-based diet is about loads of veg and Mm -hmm. fruit and pulses and you don't even have to eat nuts if you hate nuts or you're allergic to nuts it can just be lots of nice lentils and Mm. brown rice and you can make some very simple dolls or whatever oh, I love a just or just whack loads of root vegetables in a roasting tin with a bit of oil and some salt and garlic whack it in the oven for 40 minutes that is probably one of my favorite meals in I the did world. that last night with pumpkin Never. yum it doesn't have to be anything that's weird or complicated I think it's just people are worried about getting enough protein and fiber and yep. actually you probably get more in a plant they're the two diet. elements I'm never worried about for plant-based eaters it's the teeny micronutrients and variety Protein you guys will most likely get alongside carbs. So, yeah, don't panic. Yeah. So that wonderfully answers questions. <laughs> Gurry fern there. Oh, my God, I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, these are my small opinions on these matters. Please don't take them verbatim or apply no, them to your life if you don't feel they're appropriate. A step in the right direction. So we're moving on to the best part, which is the fact or fiction round. Uh, are you ready? No. No. Okay. Yes, That's a good no. answer. <laughs> okay. If you could answer fact or fiction to the following. Being creative helps ease stress. Oh, fact. <laughs> Movement helps with emotional and physical health. Absolutely fact. And I will add a lie to that. It doesn't have to be like the gym. going to a CrossFit. It can yeah. be going for a walk. Anything. Definitely. Agree. You should trust your gut. Yeah. Breathing exercise can help with anxiety. Oh my god, fact. I breathing has been a game changer for me this year. Fact. Did you hypnobirth? Yes. I need to I start did. doing that. It was and it again, it was really uh the hypnosis bit of it I didn't really understand, but the breathing, it was just the breathing yeah. and yeah. I had I was very fortunate, not with my first birth necessarily, with my second birth with my daughter, um, I had a very peaceful experience in the water and Great. the breath just was remarkable okay really good really good to know Ooh. healthy isn't hard work um hmm. fiction I think it is I think you have to be organized you have to apply a little bit more 
effort. It's easier to go and buy a ready meal than preparing something. It's it's easier to go for your craving of chocolate over something which is a different option. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it does require hard work yeah. and um, and that's all right. Yeah, agreed. The media plays a big part in how people are perceived today. Fact. Oh, of course. Yeah, self-awareness can support personal development. Fact. Caring less is important. Oh, such a fact. (laughs) We definitely touched on that. Celebrating daily successes are important. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I think fact, but I think we have to do it... um, with awareness of of what you're celebrating and why and for your ego to not get too attached to it, for it to then mean that you think you are different to others, can talk differently to others, etc. If it's for the greater good of just knowing your own personal milestones, knock yourself out. Yeah, yeah, good, well answered. We should all try and reduce our meat consumption. Yeah, I'm going to say fact. People give me shit for that because I get shit for everything I say about anything. But um, I can back you yeah, up. I haven't eaten meat since I was about 10 and I definitely feel the benefits. Yeah, yeah. No, um, actually, guys, we are being advised that as a planet on a whole, we do well, all Well, for sustainability reasons, Yeah, absolutely. For your physical reasons, you know, there'll be many arguments. But yes, I can see that it would be good all round for everybody to reduce their meat intake. Fern, excellent fact or fiction round. Thank you so much. Thank you. That does nearly wrap up the episode today. But as with every guest, we finish with a food for thought today. So mine would be to start the fact that the actions that we make every day, they're not just a in-the-moment kind of thing. They have knock-on consequences that can be good. They, they can be bad, as we've discussed. But they all happen for a reason, and our emotions take a different pathway. I think going back to when we discussed Fern's relationship with food, which I know a lot of you listen for on this podcast, help with your nutrition and your food, it's an ongoing journey for so many people. And it's very, very important to identify the reasons behind the choices we make, the why, but equally know that you don't need to place such huge pressure on yourself. And there's always someone out there because life comes with twists and turns. So remember what's important to you rather than being led by others, which is something that I know we always say a lot. Comparison is the thief of joy is the phrase. Mm. I think it goes. It rings true for all of us, everybody. Behind a perfect image, there is never a full story on social media. And we all leave busy lives. You know, we're all totally running from A to B today and your relationships with others will keep changing but importantly you need to try and learn and this one I wrote this food for thought down and maybe think of you, you need to try and learn to find and identify what can be your happy place excuse mm. the pun there but fun if you could leave our listeners with one take-home message today mm. what would that be I think it's for all of us um to find your own um, self-acceptance. I don't think any of us necessarily find it easy to love ourselves, sometimes even like ourselves. And I think acceptance is a very good starting point, or it could be where you end up. But I think if you can accept the decisions you've made previously and forgive yourself, you can um, accept the decisions that you will make in the future and deal with whatever happens due to them and still be okay and definitely not compare yourself 
and just be accepting of who you are, what your capabilities are, not someone else's, um, what your strengths are, not somebody else's, what your weaknesses are and accept them and the bits where you fucked up and mm. accept them. Then you will forgive others more easily. You'll be just less judgmental of other people um, and you will just find more mental peace, which I think most of us need. Oh, Gosh, wonderful take-home message there. Fern, I don't even know what to say. There are not enough words. You've given up so much of your valuable time for us all. Thank you for coming Absolute on the Absolute pleasure. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll absolutely love what's coming next week. So make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do leave a five-star review. It really does help to get our podcast out there to reach those higher highs in the charts and to help more people. For more information about my Retrition Clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.